Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I have frequent dreams where I go back to that time, primarily before we left my stepdad's house when she she moved in with my grandmother. The feeling that I have in these dreams and the feeling that I assume that I had at the time, and it's funny because a lot of it I feel I've forgotten or I've blocked out, but the feeling that I get recurringly during these dreams is that I'm yelling and I'm not being heard and nobody is listening to me. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. 
Hey beautiful souls, welcome back to the podcast for 2022. I hope you've had a beautiful break. I have really enjoyed my summer. That's that's the season that I'm in. I know that's not the season for many of the listeners of the podcast. A lot of you will be in winter, but here it is absolutely beautiful weather and We've had so many amazing, sunny, warm beach days. If you follow me on Instagram in my stories, you'll often find me at the beach. Um, It's one of my favorite places. I just love this time of year. We have a beautiful break all the way through Christmas and New Year and into January where we really have so much beautiful downtime and just a chance to sink our feet into the earth, into the sand, barefoot, grounding, sunlight on our skin, the warmth, just breathing in the fresh air and feeling so connected. And I think that's the beautiful thing about summertime is just the connection with nature and with everything in our world you know we're not sitting at home feeling cold we're out and about and just really connecting in with the universe it's a beautiful time of year and I'm so grateful for it and it's lovely to have a break from everything but it's equally wonderful to be back to be sharing some new stories for season three of the How My Parents Raised Me podcast. I have some amazing souls who will be sharing their story with us over the coming months and every single one of them is unique and has so much wisdom to share. So I hope you're going to join me this year every week and this week I have the beautiful Rochelle. If you're on Instagram, she's at Motherless Mothering. And Rochelle is sharing her story of a narcissistic mother and a narcissistic grandmother. Two generations of narcissistic mothers. And who knows how many before them, in the generations before, where we don't often see the history that is getting passed down, the trauma that is getting passed down to our generations. But two generations of narcissistic mothers. Rochelle is such a beautiful soul and it's so clear that she has tried incredibly hard to have a good relationship with her mother, but all the while understanding that it's just not possible but just having that belief that desire that deep desire just to have a mum that you know is there for you and just being let down over and over again and I, I know that this will resonate with so many of you who are in these types of relationships with your mum so please join me now for all of the wisdom that Rochelle shares with us Please join me for Rochelle's story. Rochelle, welcome 
to the podcast, you are motherless mothering on Instagram and you are reaching out to connect with others and creating community for women who have no mother supporting them either physically or emotionally. I know you have personally struggled with the relationship with your mother your entire life. Your parents divorced when you were five. What was life like for you after the divorce? After the divorce was pretty tricky. It was hard to say the least. I was only five when it happened. My parents both got joint custody. And so I was splitting my time between my father's house as well as my mother's house. And my mother, she took it pretty hard. She was not in a good place for a very long time. And, you know, I was young and I, but even when you're young, you can sense that there's some sort of something's going on. Something's not quite right with her. She would kind of disappear uh, for, you know, weeks and I would be taken care of by my mother, sorry, my grandmother. And I know that she had struggled with depression um, and anxiety. And I think she was going through a lot of that at the time after the divorce. And so there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of I, for me, anxiety, a lot of worry that was going on in my brain. Yeah. And it was just, it was hard. It was very difficult for me. Yeah. And that must be weird when your mother just goes missing for periods yeah. of time as a little kid, it's very unsafe, isn't it? To feel like you don't know if mom's going to be around. Right. You know, and it was, it was, uh, yeah, it felt very unsafe. She was obviously they had to move out of their shared residence and you know they didn't know where they were going at first and so there was a lot of shuffling around for a while so my brother and I would stay with my dad or stay with my grandparents my maternal grandparents and what I found out later was that my mom was struggling like I said with depression she also struggled with suicidal thoughts and ideations and I think during that time there was quite a bit of that going on because I think she ended up having borderline personality disorder, but she was never diagnosed with it. So she struggled with OCD, anxiety, depression, but she had this over reoccurring suicidal ideation and she would go away for, to a hospital basically for weeks on end. And I didn't know, of course, at the time that was what's going on. Nobody told me because I was only five or six years old, but yeah, it felt very unsafe. It felt scary. I didn't know where my mother was. I didn't know why she was gone. I didn't, I remember crying a lot about it and yeah, it was scary for, you know, a very young child. Yeah. And did you feel like your grandparents and other adults that were around you, did you feel like you were supported by them? Yes. I, I mean, <clears throat> I did feel supported by them. My grandmother kind of, she was very, I think she saw me specifically as kind of a second chance with her own daughter. So my mother was her daughter. And I think that she struggled with her own motherhood with my mom. She had her pretty young, like 22, 21 years old, and she struggled being a mother that young. And I think that there was a lot of conflict between the two of them. And I think that she saw me as kind of a second chance of a daughter. And so she was, she, at the time, she was very supportive. She, the only thing that I felt kind of unsure about was what was really going on. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was happening. And, you know, it's, it's hard when 
you're that age, you don't understand like why all of a sudden am I, am I staying with my grandparents all the time? And where's my mom? And while I felt safe with my grandparents and safe with my dad, it was still just, you need your mom. And she wasn't there. So it was, it was very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned your mom's childhood there. Can you see Mm -hmm. generational patterns coming through the family in the way that she was brought up and then she was parenting you? Definitely. There's, that's actually one of the things that I created my own page for because for the longest time growing up and also even into my early 20s, or sorry, my 20s and my 30s, early 30s, I struggled with understanding why it seemed to be so difficult to have a mother-daughter relationship within our family. And it was a generational, I would say, curse almost, where my mother was raised, I, she was undiagnosed as well, but I would want to say my grandmother was a narcissist. She was very self-centered, very me, 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 very gaudy and just very wanted to put on a show. And while she was really great to me as I felt like I was kind of more the golden grandchild. I don't know if that's such a thing, but, and my mom was more of the black sheep of her own family, whereas her brother and sister were kind of, well, her sister was definitely the golden child. So I felt like, you know, for me growing up, I I noticed there was always something off. There was always something that was not talked about and not spoken about. And I knew as soon as I got pregnant with my first daughter, I was going to be doing things differently. I knew from the moment I found out she was a girl, I remember I cried <laughs> because I was so worried that I was going to somehow have the same relationship with my own mother that my own mother had with her own mother. And even I remember my grandmother telling me about her own mother. They were also had a very contentious relationship. So definitely there's generational patterns here where, you know, mothers and daughters just had difficulty. And I think it stems from a lot of, you know, trauma and undiagnosed mental illnesses and that kind of thing yeah absolutely and you talk about your grandmother and you being the golden child and that's very much what the narcissist does isn't it they yeah they kind of have those people that they will groom almost to sort of be the person that they want them to be and that's when you look back on that because you obviously you can't see it when you're a child and you have no idea that that's what's happening it must be strange to look back and see what was going on as a kid. Yeah, definitely. I I can tell you that I started noticing things were different about my family, you know, around age 10 or so. And I did notice that I was always kind of more of the, the favored grandchild compared to my brothers or my cousins. And I think I, I started to notice that. And then I also started to notice how my grandmother would treat my mother differently than her daughter, her other daughter, her younger sister, my aunt. And since she was the golden child, my aunt could do no wrong. And since I was the golden grandchild, I could do no wrong too, but the other family members could, and I could, I would see how she would treat them very differently than she would treat me. And it it was hard because it was hard on everyone. And I, I felt a lot of guilt because of it. And a lot of uncertainty and just as hard to put that on a child to, you know, know that there is some differences between, or there really isn't any differences, but 
in the mind of a narcissist, there's differences between family members. And yeah, it was difficult to know that as a child, it was difficult to know that my brother was treated differently. My cousins were treated differently and growing up, you know, looking back on my childhood and growing up with both my grandparents and my mother, there was so much dysfunction <laughs> and so much to really unpack there that I, I really didn't even know where to begin. I didn't know I had so much trauma and I didn't really realize that until I became a mother myself. And once I had my first baby, I fell down like a very, I got pretty severe postpartum depression. And it was then I started to go to therapy and started, you know, unpacking all of my childhood traumas and my childhood with my mother and the trauma, the toxic patterns that are in my family. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. And it's such a, it's such a strong theme, I think, for women who've been in that toxic environment that it really does seem to come out like we we seem to be able to bury it down don't we until we have our own kids and then all of a sudden it's like okay so there's so many choices in the way that I do this and what were the choices that were made around me and my upbringing and it all becomes so clear doesn't it in looking back so just going back to where you were as a teen that Mm -hmm. relationship between you and your mum What was that like when you became a teenager? I would say that around 10, I knew my mom was different and I started to question things. I was kind of an inquisitive child. So I I knew that there was differences with my mom as compared to other moms in that I knew. I didn't know a lot of other moms, but, you know, childhood friends and that, that kind of thing. When I became a teenager, you know, you go through phases of, rebellion and a lot of contention that is typical to have contention between a mother and a daughter. But I remember my mom specifically when I started dating and having boyfriends and going to dances and doing that kind of thing where she just didn't trust me. She didn't, I knew, I mean, I didn't, I knew that I was a good kid. I was a good kid. I always had to be a good kid. It was a way that I survived growing up, but I started to date and when you start dating, you kind of, you know, just want to be with your boyfriend or you want to go hang out with your friends and you want to kind of not be around your mother as much. And I think my mom started to feel some abandonment issues there and she would start lashing out in ways such as I remember one time she didn't believe where I was going. So she showed up to the location where I was and told me to go home, even though I was where I was supposed to be. And she just was, there's a lack of trust. There was a lack of communication. She just started, I think she started to feel that I was pulling away as a child. And, you know, that's what teenagers are supposed to do. They're supposed to grow and it's the last phase of childhood. And I think it was difficult for her to see her daughter growing up and doing things that adults or I wasn't an adult yet, but I was, you know, well on my way to becoming more independent. And she, her, her behavior became increasingly more volatile, paranoid, insecure. And the way that she treated me was, was pretty bad. It was not good. And she had a husband at the time who was my stepdad. And we left living there when I was around 16 And 
went to live with my grandparents again. And my mom was living with my grandparents as well. And that was around the time where I decided I didn't want to live with my mother anymore. I was done. She relied heavily on me during that time for emotional support. And <clears throat> I was obviously a child and I didn't know at the time what, what that was called or how to put a label on it, but it was parentification. I was being parentified by my mother and being told things and confidence that I probably shouldn't have been told and relied on for emotional support and that kind of thing. And so I finally had it. I was done. I didn't want to live with her anymore. She was unstable at that time. And I decided to go live with my dad. And when I did that, our relationship became increasingly worse because I was pulling further and further away from her. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, so what does it feel like if your mother is telling you all these things that you shouldn't really know about? How does that actually feel? It's a lot of responsibility. It felt like I was her parent and she was my child, even though at the time I didn't know what it felt like to be a parent, but I felt like I was <clears throat> the stronger person emotionally. And she relied heavily on me to be able to kind of be her confidant. And it felt very unsafe though. It felt very scary. And she would do things and I would be like, mom, don't do that because it's not good for you. And, you know, no child should be put in that situation to where you feel you have to be parenting your mother, especially if she was going through another divorce, her second divorce. And it seemed like, you know, going through a divorce is obviously terrible and hard, but the circumstances around it were kind of bad as well. So I think that that is when she kind of really started, really started to go downhill and really relied upon me for emotional support. And it just, yeah, it felt unsafe. It felt scary. It felt weird, you know, and no child really should have to do, to go through that. Yeah. And, and was she ever diagnosed with any kind of mental health issue did she ever get any help herself she did she was diagnosed actually this is going back pretty far when she was 17 18 years old she was institutionalized for a while and she again she was having issues with abandonment issues with emotional issues very tough things that were going on where she felt like she needed to commit suicide and so it began up for her I think around the age of 17 all through her 20s, she was okay. I think she hit it very well for my own father. At least that's what he told me. And like I said, they were, they were okay for a long time, but she was okay for a long time. 
And then once they got divorced, she did finally get diagnosed with um, OCD as well as uh, major depressive disorder. But the thing was, she had both of those while I was growing up. And then the doctor, she would, she would go into treatment. She would go into therapy. She would go into get medication, but she relied very heavily on medication. I mean, she was taking things that were like back when she was a, a kid, she was taking like lithium and just a lot of things that were not very good for you, I guess. And she also drank a lot when I was a kid. So I think there were some combinations there where, you know, she was drinking along with the medication probably wasn't the best idea. And then she, she eventually did quit drinking. So then it was just, she was relying heavily on the medication. And I just remembered she was taking so many different medications. They didn't really know what was wrong with her. And I mean, she did definitely have OCD, but I think they missed the mark with a personality disorder that coincides with her behavior. And I do believe she did have borderline personality disorder, which also ties to narcissism as well. Yeah. And it's incredibly toxic, isn't it? When you, when you describe what she was doing on a daily basis, when you think back on that, what is the predominant feeling that you feel about that time with your mom? You know, that's funny you ask that because I have frequent dreams where I go back to that time, primarily before we left my stepdad's house when she, my, she moved in with my grandmother. The feeling that I have in these dreams and the feeling that I assume that I had at the time, and it's funny because a lot of it I feel I've forgotten or I've blocked out, but the feeling that I get recurringly during these dreams is that I'm yelling and I'm not being heard and nobody is listening to me. Nobody is um, taking my opinion. And I'm just screaming at her and saying like, why are you doing this? Listen to me. And so a lot of it I feel was, I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel um, safe. I didn't feel like the environment I was living in was safe. It wasn't, it was very toxic, very bad. The person she was married to was very volatile as well. So it was like that on top of my mother having these issues, it was just a lot. So, you know, I had a lot of anxiety at the time and I do remember, you know, I was depressed myself for a long time, but being the strong girl that I was, my mom didn't really have time for that. I don't think she didn't have enough emotional space in her head to be able to help me because she was hurting so badly herself yeah yeah and you mentioned your stepdad I know that you you said that you left home because of your stepdad can you tell us a bit about that yeah this is one of the hard things for me but it's it's important too my stepdad was <clears throat> an angry mean, violent person. He didn't drink. He didn't do anything like that. He was just short tempered, scary, very scary. My mom met him when I was about six years old. So right after my parents got divorced and we lived there until I was about 16. <clears throat> so 10 years, the circumstances uh, about leaving the house were, it's kind of strange. It's an interesting, different, I, I don't know the word to use here, but strange, I guess it's the word he had I guess, voyeurism issues. And he had implanted a camera into my room 
in the fire extinguisher where there was electric fire extinguishers back then. And my friend was over and we flipped, we were flipping through the channels and all of a sudden we flipped onto my room. And so he was spying on me, I guess, for years. We caught him several times before that on vacation with a camcorder in the bathroom. And so he was, he got arrested and in trouble, but this is back in like 2000. So it was before there was a lot of laws around this or anything. Um, and so, yeah, we immediately left and it was, you know, like I had shocking, traumatizing, scary, horrible. I was, I was, I wasn't even 16. I was 15, almost 16 years old. And so that experience in itself was traumatizing, but my mom couldn't be there for me to help me through that because she was traumatized by it as well. She didn't know how to handle it. She didn't know how to handle herself. And so I remember going through that alone and being very scared. I did, did go to therapy for a while, but it wasn't, wasn't very helpful. I was just trying to be a teenager at the time, you know, have friends and boyfriends. And I think that rift also caused that, that time also, you know, made things more strained between my mom and I, because she had to leave and she did the right thing. And I, I thank her for leaving and doing the right thing, but I felt abandoned by my parents, both my parents in that situation, because I felt like they didn't really um, know what to do. I don't blame them for not knowing what to do. It's a very weird, strange thing that happened. And I don't think any parent would know exactly what to do other than to get out of it. But, you know, as a 15, 16 year old child, I had no way of processing it. So yeah, it was, it was a very difficult time. I was very traumatized and I didn't have anyone to really understand me or talk to about it because everybody was like, traumatize themselves and didn't know how to handle it themselves yeah well I'm so I feel so glad that you might have the guts to get up and actually leave because I am I'm am too <laughs> yeah I mean imagine if she didn't do that you know so at least that was like a tiny positive in there but but how do you think that that experience has impacted you as an adult just just that experience with your stepfather Oh my goodness. It has definitely impacted me in many ways. I haven't trusted men for a long time. I haven't trusted really anyone for a long time. My current, my husband and I met when we were pretty young, we were 18, 19 years old. And, you know, it took me a long time to really trust that, you know, he cared for me and he loved me and I was safe in that relationship. I'm, you know, I grew up, I was still very young at the time and just being going through my teenage years, you're very vulnerable and very, you're still learning a lot about how the world works. And so I didn't trust anybody for years. I mean, I would say a decade plus I, I had a hard time with letting people in. I had a hard time with knowing what people's true intentions were. It didn't matter who you were. If you were man, woman, I just didn't really trust you. I was very guarded for a long time. I didn't want to, you know, and I still go through this where I don't want to let my exterior shell down and, you know, be vulnerable. It's difficult for me to be vulnerable. And even now in my marriage, I do that. I, I have a hard time with admitting I'm wrong or admitting that there, I might have some sort of weakness because I have my shield up. And 
but the fact that I'm able to recognize that is a huge accomplishment for me personally. I, I have to pat myself on the back for that. Knowing that I, I you know I have these difficulties as, as, you know, as a person, as a mother, as a wife, I, I know where it comes from and I can identify that now. I know I was traumatized. I know there was a lot of trauma that led up to even before this incident happened. And so just the ability to recognize that and to work through it has been very helpful, but you know, there's still a long way to go for me. Absolutely. And so you and your mom left home and then what happened after that? My mother moved in with my grandmother and I, I did stay with my grandmother and my mother for a while, probably a month or two. And then I ended up just living with my dad. And once I moved in with my dad, it became the relationship with my mother became more and more broken, more and more. Her behavior became more possessive. She would get jealous of my time with my dad or with my friends. And she would lash out at me in ways that, you know, you don't typically think of a mom lashing out at their daughter for growing up. I mean, I'm a mom. I understand it's hard to watch your children grow up, but what's the developmental thing to do? And it's, you're supposed to kind of venture out at that age. So the more and more I became more independent, the more and more she would become more trying to hold on to me and to control me, I would almost say, and to get me to be with her. And so my early twenties, my late teens, early twenties, we still had a relationship, but it was becoming more and more contentious. And so, yeah, it was, it was a hard period for me. I was still trying to grow up and be normal, but my mom was having a hard time with me growing up. So the relationship became pretty strained at that time. Yeah. And then you got married and had three, you've got three beautiful babies, children. And you, you said that that was, that was another difficult stage that your mom didn't seem to be able to deal with. Yeah. When I was in college, like I said, I met my husband and I got married at Uh, a couple years after college, that was definitely a turning point in our relationship. My mother was increasingly more possessive and the more and more I became independent and, you know, starting my own life, she would become more and more clingy. She wanted to know what I was doing all the time. She wanted to be involved with my life in some way, but almost in a way that seemed like overly like too involved, you're, you know, like not respectful of the fact that I was growing up. Once I became, well, once I became engaged, you know, I had to plan (laughs) our bridal shower, the wedding and all of that. And she actually hosted my bridal shower. And I remember this was probably the beginning of a really not so great time for us where she literally was following me around telling me I was not grateful at all because I wasn't paying attention to her. And, you know, I had guests, I had people that I had to talk to. It was my bridal shower. And I think that the fact that I was the center of attention really bothered her. And so I had to cut her off for a while at that time. I I had to say, you know what, if you're going to be like this, I can't continue. This isn't okay for me right now. I'm very busy with my life and with you know, getting married and that kind of thing. And so finally she came around and it was always a cycle with her where she would say, okay, you know, get angry and volatile and her behavior would be very disruptive. And then 
she would come back around and say, oh, I, I understand what I did. It was wrong. I'm sorry. But then the next thing that would happen, it would be the same cycle. And so the wedding, she was actually okay. My dad and my stepmom helped to kind of tame her and rein her in a little bit. But then once I was married, she still, you know, she became more jealous of time I was spending with my in-laws, time that I was spending with my husband, time that I was supposed to be spending with other people. I had a new family and she just didn't like it. She didn't understand it. And she would lash out and the cycle would repeat where she would lash out, apologize, and then come back around. So I was on this cycle of not knowing when she was going to lash out at me or when she was going to get upset with me. And I had times where I was very, I had to, I had to put her basically in a timeout where I wouldn't speak with her for a while. So we had periods of time at the time where I just had to, you know, put a pause in our relationship because I just couldn't handle it anymore, all the volatility. And then I became pregnant. We're going to leave Rochelle's story there for this week. And what an amazing and strong woman Rochelle is in everything that she's tried to achieve in the relationship with her mum. And please tune in next week to hear what happens when Rochelle gets pregnant and her mum really wants to be a part of this baby's life and how Rochelle manages that situation going forward. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you are ready to manifest and create the life you really want for yourself, please go to dawnchitty.com. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.